the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Before we begin today, I just wanted us to kind of, um, I guess, have some time to just kind of forget or disconnect from any distractions and things you may have on us at the minute. So I'm going to start with a quick activity. So if everyone could just close their eyes, everybody just close their eyes. And what I'd like you to do is just think of all of the distractions or thoughts you might have now. So whether it be work or family or life, all of those situations that you are thinking of now or that maybe you've been thinking of during the week, I'd like you to just think of those right now. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for allowing us to be here. I thank you for this time where we can fellowship and we can learn and where we can grow. I thank you that we have a space that we can actually come and do this openly and freely. You have made a way for us, Father God, and I pray that we won't take it for granted, that we would soak up every last minute and moment of it. To do that, Father God, we do need to let go of those distractions and things that may take our attention away. So each and every one of us here have now brought to our minds and to remembrance those things that could take our attention. I pray, Father God, that through your Holy Spirit, you would just take away those distractions. These may be things that need to be taken care of, but I pray that at this time, those will not be things that are brought up. Instead, I pray that we will just empty our minds of these things, we will commit them to you, and you will take care of them and you will hold them so that we can learn and we can grow at this time. And at the end of the day, Father God, there's no better person to hold these things than you. Because if there's anybody who can handle them, if there's anybody who can take care of them, it is you. Father, we pray for Andy. We pray that as he shares, you will fill him. You will guide him. And every word spoken will be of you. We pray for Marvin as he works with the kids. He will inspire them and they will all have fun. And he himself will learn from the kids themselves. May you, Father God, truly have your way. And we just declare that no distraction and no scheme of the enemy will take us away from this time. We thank you so much for everything you've done this week, for every blessing, every guidance, every counsel, every wisdom, everything you've done that we've seen and everything you've done that we haven't seen. We just want to say thank you for. It is a privilege and an honor to know that we have a God who loves us so much that we truly don't even need to care about anything or need to worry about anything because you have us completely. And so I pray we will focus on you 100%. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. So for today, what we're going to be looking at is the centurion, the centurion who had great faith. So how many of you guys are familiar with that account? A few? Okay. So we're going to read through the scripture now to understand it. In summary, there is a a centurion who Jesus encounters and he is basically blown away by his level of faith. And so the objective today is to understand why he had that level of faith and how we can have that same degree of faith. So we'll kick things off by looking at the scripture. So if you'd like to go to Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. So Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. 
And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is one who, who built us our synagogue. Sorry. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man sent under, under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they, they found the servant well. Amen. So you have this situation where there was a servant and, oh, this centurion, sorry, and he had a servant who wasn't well. So he had this centurion, he heard about Jesus and he says, listen, I need you to come and heal my servant. Whilst Jesus is on the way, the centurion says, listen, you don't even have to come to me. Just say it and my servant will be healed. And through his faith, this servant is healed. So that is the scenario that happens. Now, the question is why? Why did that centurion have that level of faith? So I'm going to look at three things that I think when you look at them, you may think, okay, this is why he had faith. But really, that's not it. So first thing, one reason why people may think he has this level of faith is because people will think, well, he heard about Jesus. He's heard about the things Jesus has done. So this is the reason why he has faith that in just saying, do it, my servant will be healed. But what about the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law at that time? They as well will have heard of things that Jesus has done, yet they didn't acknowledge or believe who Jesus was. There will have been non-believers who will have heard of the things Jesus has done, but they didn't believe. So we can't really say, okay, the reason why this centurion had this degree of faith is because he'd heard all of these great things Jesus had done. And he said, because I heard you do these things, I think you can do it. That's not the core. Next thing, in verse 5, it says, For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogues. So this centurion, he was involved in building the synagogues. So in that you think, essentially has this ex, uh, respect or acknowledgement for God. And so you may think that, okay, his acknowledgement and respect for God is the fact that he has this much faith. This is why he was able to just believe that Jesus could do these things. But again, what about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law and the non-believers at that time? Wouldn't the Pharisees and the Sadducees in particular, the religious leaders at the time, wouldn't they have been involved in building synagogues? Were they not the same ones probably in synagogues worshiping, worshiping and praying? Yet they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe who he was. So we can't really look at the centurion and go, well, the reason you had faith is because you just had this deep respect for God and this is why you did it. That's not the reason. In verse 6, um, And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. So the centurion basically says, listen, I kind of, I'm not even good enough really for you to be, to come to me. And I don't want you to be here because you don't need to. 
And so in Jewish law or custom or custom or law tradition, culture, um, there was this thing that um, it wasn't good for a Jew to go to a Gentile's home because it was basically seen as making that Jew unclean or, you know, is an embarrassing thing for them to, to is an embarrassing thing for them to happen. So this centurion, for him, he even considered, you know what, I don't even want you, Jesus, to come to my house because I don't want you to embarrass yourself by even coming to me. He has that level of respect and reverence for who Jesus was. He doesn't even consider himself worthy for Jesus to come to his house. But then you think, well, what about the Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law? They too would have had a certain, a certain reverence to uh, Jewish traditions and customs and culture. But they didn't have that same level of respect and honor for who Jesus was. So it isn't really enough to say, okay, the reason why the centurion had this degree of faith is because he had a, a respect for Jewish custom and law and tradition. That wasn't the reason. So the question is why? If these factors which should be why the centurion said, I believe you can do these things on the cause, what is? And I put to us, the reason is his heart. His heart was the thing that actually gave him that level of faith. And the question is, I guess, what type of heart did he have? And so using the scriptures, we're actually going to identify the type of heart this centurion had and how we can actually adopt that same type of heart because ultimately that is what gave him that degree of faith. So we, to understand this, we're going to look at Matthew. So if you go to Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 9. Okay, so this is the parable of the sower. Um, and through these parables, we're basically learning about the types of heart um, that we as people can have. And the type of heart we have is so, so key, so, so crucial, because the type of heart we have determines how we receive the word. And the answer is basically the type of centurion, the type of heart the centurion had is what allowed him to receive the word the way he received it, is what enabled him to have the type of faith he had. But we're going to dissect and understand this clearly. So, starting from uh, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on, the, on good soil and produced good grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. What does that all mean? We're going to look at the scripture to actually explain what those different types of soil are and what the seed is. So if we go to verses 18 to 23, what we see is Jesus actually give a breakdown of those different types of soil. So verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. So hear then the explanation of the parable that was just, just shared. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So the first thing to do is really break down what the seed is. So the seed is the word of God. So that's a true word of God. And the soil that's being described here is the heart. So in this situation, 
When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is a situation where somebody hears the word of God, but for different reasons, schemes of the enemy, it could be um, somebody telling a lie, or it could be them just not believing what they've heard. The, they, don't uh, they don't allow that word to settle in their heart. So it's somebody who may hear the gospel being preached, but then goes, you know what? No, I don't believe it. That's not, nah, that's, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't accept that, I don't, I don't agree. Um, they may go through certain situations or circumstances in life and they go, you know, no, I can't believe in the word because situations are X, Y, and Z, so God can't exist. So this is a situation where somebody will hear the word, but they will not receive it. This clearly is not the heart the centurion had. This is not the heart the centurion had because he is somebody who has clearly received the word because he believes who Jesus is and Jesus is the word. So by the mere fact that he has acknowledged who Jesus is and he's calling on Jesus, means that his heart is not this. It's not a heart that has rejected the word. So the next one. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So this is the situation where the seed falls, falls on rocky ground. So immediately it springs up, but because there is no root, it, it cannot um, find the soil to grow in. And when the sun comes out, immediately it's destroyed. Now this is a situation where somebody, they hear the word and immediately they're excited by it. They go, oh, well, okay, this is great but suddenly they're persecuted because of their belief in the word. So somebody may come to them and question them about the word they've just received. Somebody may question them and say, well, is Jesus really the Messiah? And they go, wait, oh, actually, um, I, I'm not too sure. And then they go, you know what? Actually, I don't actually believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Actually, no, no, I, I, no. They're excited for a time, but as soon as they're put in a position where they're required to really question their understanding of the word, they realize, actually, no. I don't understand it, I don't get it, this is not for me, and they fall away. This is not the, the heart that the centurion had. Because if this was the heart that the centurion had, he wouldn't have gone to Jesus for help. He wouldn't have gone to Jesus for help. Because for him, it wouldn't be a situation that he faces a problem and he can go to Jesus. He would face a problem and immediately go, you know what, there's another solution to this, there's another solution to this. And the mere fact that he has chosen to believe that Jesus can heal him it means he's accepted the word must be true. He's somebody who has said, you know what, this word, it is something I can stand on. So this individual here, this is not the heart of the centurion. His heart is not rocky. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So this is somebody who will have heard the word of God, but chasing money or the pleasures of life will take them away from that. Is that the centurion? Clearly not. And you can see this isn't centurion by the fact that he has been involved in building a synagogue. He is somebody who is using his resources and his time and his energy to building somewhere where people can come and know who God is, they can know who Jesus is. So this can't be the heart that the centurion had. So again, what heart does he have? As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60 and in another 30. 
So when a seed falls on good soil, it produces fruit. The seed goes into the soil, the soil receives it, and it produces fruit. This is the heart the centurion had. Because he's somebody who had received the word, he received who Jesus was, and he sought to understand who Jesus was, and he chose to follow who Jesus was. And this is why he has such faith, because of his heart. His heart was in a place where he had said, you know what, I believe what the word says about Jesus. And I believe what Jesus is saying is true. And so I choose to follow him. This is why he had such levels of faith. It wasn't the fact that he had built a synagogue and that was his justification. It wasn't a case of him looking and saying, okay, I've done this, so yeah, I, I must have faith. I will believe. It's all about his heart. And so for us, the question is, what is our heart like? For each and every one of us, what is our heart? And we really need to assess what the state and condition of our heart is. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that stops us from having this degree of faith, this faith that makes Jesus proud, is our heart. And the thing is, it is so easy for our hearts to get changed. Because we can be here, for example, and hear a word, right? And we can feel encouraged, we can feel uplifted, and we can be like, oh, actually, I know what I need to do to have the right heart. But we can leave here and face a challenge. And as soon as we have that challenge, we can be like, Jesus, where are you? I don't believe this. But we need to have a steadfast heart that says, I believe in the word. I believe in who Jesus is. This is the state of the centurion here. He faced this situation where there was a servant who he loved, who was in trouble. But he didn't let that situation override his trust and belief in the word and in Jesus. He put Jesus and the word first. And that is why he had great faith. So my encouragement for every single one of us here is to really examine our hearts. Understand, okay, do I really have um, a heart that is good soil? Do I really have a heart that's good soil? Or are there thorns there that are choking it? And I remember when I was um, kind of reading these scriptures previously, for me I was thinking, oh man, I feel like I've got some thorns, you know? I was like, legit, I've got some thorns. And I remember speaking to another sister in Christ and she asked me the question, she said, like straight to Apollo, do you trust God? And I was like, you know what, no. I was like, I cannot say that I 100% do. So it's not to say that I don't trust him at all, but I cannot say that I trust him 100%. Because when I reflected on situations, I had some doubts. There were situations in my life when I was like, mm, I'm not too sure what's going on in the situation. And by the very nature of me saying, I don't know about the situation, I had meant that situation, I'd focused on that situation and I hadn't considered that God can override it and run it and control it. I was still trying to control the situation. I was still looking at it and thinking it's a challenge, it's an opposition. It's something that I don't see the solution for. But if, that, if I truly believed, that wouldn't be the case. If truly here my heart was truly just good soil, the situation wouldn't phase me. I would see the situation that exists and I would say, you know what, it's all right, God's got it. God's got it. And I guess for me reflecting, it's a case of, well, how did I get this, to this position? How did I get to a position where I was sure that I just did trust God 100% to now being in a position where I realized I don't really trust Him? And again, it's just, it's life. It's things we go through. It's circumstances. It's the unexpected. It's laziness. It's being comfortable. These are all situations which can slowly produce stones in our hearts or weeds in our hearts or thorns in our hearts that can take them from being good soil 
to bad soil. And again, it's tricky because this ultimately is what is stopping us from having that, that faith that God could be proud of. So again, this week, really just, um, I challenge everybody and everyone listening to take some time to really assess your hearts and be honest with yourself, you know? Can I say that I've really taken the word into my heart and I truly trust and believe in it? Because the truth is, you will know when you assess those situations, you evaluate the circumstances in your life. And if there are questions, if there are doubts, that God cannot handle those things, that he will not see you through those things, that he cannot provide a way in those situations. If, it, if you feel that God isn't present in those situations, then understand, okay, there are some, some things in my heart that need to be changed. There are some thorns that need to be taken out. There are some stones that need to be taken out. But the good news is it's not... <laughs> In understanding there are thorns, it's not a case that you suddenly feel bad. It's a great thing. I loved it when my sister in Christ asked me that question because then it made me evaluate. I had to then stop and go, wait, okay, what are the, storms, the stones? What are the thorns? And so now I can work on making sure they're uprooted, they're taken out. So that I can be like the centurion who just has that 100% perfect faith and trust in God and trust in the word. Because that's where we need to be. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, if there is a gardener, right? Um, and he wants to turn his soil into good soil. He cannot just click his fingers and suddenly all the roots and the stones are taken out. It's a process, right? Everything's a process. He has to first go to his garden and go, okay, where are the stones? Where are the thorns? Identify those things. And then he needs to take time to work to get those things out. So same with us here. We're all on a journey. So enter into that journey or if you're already doing it continue that journey of taking out those stones taking out those stones taking out those things that stop you and stop us from really receiving the word and accepting who Jesus really is and then we'll get to a place of good soil amen but in summary this is why the centurion had that great faith it was his heart it was, it was his heart it wasn't the things that he had done it wasn't the traditions and the customs that he was, it, he was holding to. It was the fact that in his heart, he had received the word of God. He received and believed who Jesus was and he trusted and followed him. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.